you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show, and we appreciate them. Today, we are going to take your calls in the last segment. So so please listen listen, and stick around for that, because I, I want to get your take on some of the things we're going to talk about today. And just as always, we, we take a look at the headlines and we look at what the current event issues are, and then we filter that through a biblical lens. And, and I want to say, I think that this goes without saying, but there would be no way for us to do that if we were not praying about what's happening around us. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people who have Bibles, but do not turn to those Bibles. And and some in some instances, when they turn to those Bibles, they are unable to draw out from the scriptures what the Lord would be presenting to them as a warning or as an admonition or even as an encouragement mm-hmm. um, because they are not prayerfully going to the scriptures, right? It's mm-hmm. not just an academic book. It's not just for the consumption of knowledge and right. and just the acquisition of information, um, but it's, it's God's living word. Amen. And so, and the Lord is still directing and using this living eternal word uh, to intervene in the affairs of men. And so that's what we try to demonstrate every day on this program. Um, You don't you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Right. Mm -hmm. To navigate the scriptures. And God intended it to be this way. Mm. Right. So so we are actively training our children in the word of God, actively training our children in the word of God, Um, our attempt and our goal. And even we are compelled because of the conviction of the scriptures um, to to make them ready to live in the culture that they live in. Mm-hmm. I say, um, and, you know, we live in Babylon. Even though we educate them at home, we are training them in sort of a, <laughs> sort of a Mayberry of sorts, you know. We, we're training them where they can get a Coke for a nickel, you know. This is, mm-hmm. a, this is a, a safe environment, if you will, for them. But we understand fully that they are going to go out into Babylon. Mm-hmm. And so we want them to be ready now, for that time. That's right. So so that's what we try to we try to do with them. We try to demonstrate that as we do this program, um, that that the word of God is accessible to his people and must be navigated in light of the things that we see happening in the culture. That's that's the full thrust of the show. Like that's yes. that's what we do. Um, so anyways, um, I, I, I want to look at today three different headlines <sighs> And then I want to talk about um, the signs of Jonah and the queen of Sheba, the signs of Jonah and the queen. It almost sounds like a VeggieTales episode, <laughs> Jonah and the queen, um, but the, the signs of Jonah and the queen. And I want to just press us as followers of the Lord to look more deeply into those things that are happening around us and to make sure that we show up with a biblical response mm that is not obscured by what seems to be the collective talking points. So Christians usually, 
not well, I don't know that Christians usually do this. Let me say sometimes. Sometimes what Christians do is there's something that happens in the culture and then we hear about a large conversation that's taking place. Mm -hmm. And so what we will do is we will grab some of that conversation and then we'll kind of like spread a little Bible on top of that conversation and then say that we have taken a biblical perspective. But taking a biblical perspective actually begins with the Bible. It begins with the word of God to make sense of what we're looking at in culture. Now, that doesn't mean that does not mean at all that we cannot look at those things that are happening and listen to the conversations, listen to what's being said. In fact, we have to do that to be able to live faithfully because we got to know what we need to address. Right. We got to know how we're going to bring the word in. But what I want to say is that genuinely what it means is that we start with the word of God first. And so that means then that we begin with the question of the Lord. God, what is happening? What is happening around us? How can I make sense of this? Does your word speak to this? What show me, show me how to understand what is happening in the culture. And this seems like it's a very simple prayer, right? But man, I think sometimes in our wordiness, you know, <laughs> we, we think that we impress the Lord with, with a lot of wordiness, but sometimes just the simplicity of our prayer hits the mark. Right. Just the sincerity Amen. of our heart Amen. and the simplicity of our prayer that, Lord, I don't I don't know how to make sense of what's going on. Right. Would you show me Amen. how to make sense of what's going on? And would you direct me to the place in Scripture where I need to be? Help me to filter this through a biblical lens. That's a little behind the scenes. That's some of our show prep, by the way, just <laughs> kind of letting you in, showing you my notes. Right. So that's that's how we prepare for what we're going to talk about. So let's look at what um, let's look at what happened in Tulsa. Yeah. Okay, this is uh, from Fox News. Tulsa hospital shooting victims identified as one gunman, uh, one one gunman's surgeon. One of the victims of the gunman was his surgeon. Tulsa police have identified a recent patient as the gunman accused of a mass shooting at an Oklahoma hospital on Wednesday. Two of the four victims were doctors at the hospital, including one who recently performed back surgery on the attacker police said during a Thursday news briefing. This um, update is the most recent one that I came across. So if there's more information, I don't have that in front of me, but I'll, I'll share with you what I have here. Um, this was after the press conference. The gunman killed four and then killed himself on the second floor of the Natalie Medical Building at St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa. This is according to city police. The gunman identified as Michael Lewis underwent surgery with Dr. Preston Phillips on May 19th according to police in the following days and weeks up to the morning of the shooting, he complained of pain and sought additional treatment. Investigators later found a note on the scene that authorities said, quote, made it clear in quote, that the gunman intended to kill Dr. Phillips and anyone who got in his way. And let me back up because that's actually, that is quoted from the note because it's quoted in this story. And the quote is kill Dr. Phillips and any well, no, no. OK, that's a quote from the from the law enforcement officers, anyone who got in his way. Separately, Tulsa Police Chief Wendell Franklin and Lewis's wife also called police, telling them that he had contacted her and told her what he'd done. Hmm. According to this article, he blamed Dr. Phillips for the ongoing pain following the surgery. The other victims were Dr. Stephanie Husson, I think is how you would say the name, Amanda Glenn, and William Love. 
Now, I won't go into the details of how this all happened because, you know, those stories will abound and, and you can go and you can read that for yourself. And, and I hope I hope that you will, you know, get your information. But that's that's not exactly where I want to focus. So we're looking at um, just grave wickedness here and we're looking at wickedness continuing to abound in our country. Yeah. And and then so many people are asking the question. And again, you read the stories mm-hmm. and the stories, depending on what your news source is, the story is going to have sort of a, a little bit of a sprinkling on the gun debate issue. Right. Right. Um, right. And then it's going to have a little bit of sprinkling on the mental health question and right. things like that. Um, but I really think that Christians need to show up with the signs of Jonah and the queen. And I'm going to talk about that because Jesus talked about that. And so I'm going to talk about that. And I want to press us to think deeply and to think biblically. When I say deeply, I don't mean just in yourself, just like meditatively. And I mean, <laughs> think scripturally. So maybe yeah. I should just say that then. Amen. Think scripturally, right? Think biblically on these issues. So now let me look at another story, and I'm just going to use these three stories as the backdrop to just discuss what the Christian's posture needs to be. Okay, here's the headline. This is from CNN. A 16-year-old boy was arrested this week after police learned that he was allegedly recruiting students Mm -hmm. to carry out a mass shooting at a high school in Berkeley, California. Police received a tip on May 21st of the teen's alleged plot targeting Berkeley High School, which also included a possible bombing and obtained a search warrant for his home. This is according to Berkeley police uh, in a statement that they released. Um, The search turned up parts to explosives and assault rifles, as well as several knives and electronic items that could be used to create weapons. The 16-year-old turned himself in on Monday um, and was arrested on on suspicion of possessing destructive device materials and threatening to commit a crime um, which would result in death or great bodily injury. Okay, so here's another story. And um, this one is from the Christian Post. A man investigators say was caught on video hurling Molotov cocktails at two churches in North Carolina has been arrested. Cumberland County Sheriff Ennis Wright announced on Facebook on Monday that 57 year old Terry Wayne Rayford of Fayetteville was arrested in connection with the vandalism of two churches. In a Facebook post Sunday, Wright noted that sheriff's investigators initially responded to the first incident at Gray's Creek Church in Hope Mills just after 1030 a.m. A half hour later, New Calvary Missionary Baptist Church in Fayetteville reported a similar incident. Arson investigators obtained video footage from both churches, which showed a black male in his 50s pull a gray sedan with tinted windows into a parking lot. No injuries were reported in either incident. Security cameras captured the suspect's vehicle at both locations, enabling them to identify Rayford as the man in the video. Now, this is really interesting because these these two incidents are not um, they are not kind of they're not plastered everywhere, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think in part the reason that they're not plastered, it could be because there were no casualties. Mm-hmm. But it could also be because you have a black man who has thrown Molotov cocktails at two predominantly black churches. Mm-hmm. So it's not sensational enough. Right. It's not sensational enough. Right. Like people can't it's not really newsworthy. 
It's not newsworthy. And this is this is why I often go back and I'm I'm often warning the body of Christ to not let media manipulate you. Yeah. Like to not let media give you your feelings or your talking points or tell you what you can care about. Right. So like you could only care about this story if it were a white man who was hurling Molotov cocktails at predominantly black churches. Mm hmm. Then then you would be permitted to care because it would fit the narrative. What I say to believers everywhere is that we must be discerning and the Lord instructs us on how to care. Yeah. Right. The Lord gives us or tells us what our concerns ought to be. So I was looking at these stories, among others, and this story actually goes on. This Christian Post story actually goes on to outline several different attacks that have happened in this country in recent weeks, right. in re- recent weeks. OK, yeah. so there's 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 something going on there as well. I actually saw something that said there was like 17 mass shootings since what happened in um, Uvalde. In the, yeah. Yeah. Like which but, is unbelievable. But the narratives haven't been like you're saying. You know, the ones that are put on the news so you don't really get to to see all of that. Which is an incredible, it's an incredible media manipulation, right? So you, you could live your life. Now, I'm not saying you, you could, but one, one could live one's life, um, not really knowing how to care because we've only ever been trained to care about what gets the biggest headline and mm-hmm. what runs for the longest. We've, we've only been taught to care when CNN shows up on scene, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like when they, when they, when they all like dock out and, and they're, they're just kind of like docked at the place and they're doing these live interviews and, you know, which I got to tell you, I've, I've been so conflicted. I saw one interview and I haven't seen any others. Of course I haven't looked for them. So I don't know that there are more than this, but I saw, I saw one interview of, um, I think, Oh, was it Dana Basham? I think is her name from CNN um, sitting with a mother and her son and in interviewing one of the children who was in one of the rooms. Mm. And I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think that's wise. Mm. You know what I mean? I was, I was watching the pain of this little boy and him trying to communicate and his mom is right. there. She's rubbing his hand and everything. And, and I go, I understand what you're trying to do, but this is still a child. You know what I mean? Like this is still a child that I, I kind of don't think I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And, and, and yeah. people could disagree with me and say, no, we need to hear, we need to know. But I, I find that a little bit self-serving to, to get a child out there under those kinds of circumstances. I, I just, anyway. So when we get back, I want to take a look at what Jesus said about the sign of Jonah and then kind of tie that into what I think we're looking at today in our culture. Aaron the Addison, stay close. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Really do appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Trimble, Mosaic MSC. All right, so today we're discussing the signs of Jonah and the Queen, and then just kind of looking at what's happening in culture and why it's so important for us to be able to provide a biblical response when people have questions. I think the biggest question now, um, some people could disagree with me again, and that's fine. 
But I think one of the biggest questions, if not the biggest question, is often why? Why is this happening? Why are these things occurring in culture? Why? That's the question. And so what people will often do is they will go for, okay, gun debate. Or they will go for um, mental the mental health debate. Mm -hmm. What I am saying is let's let's go back to back to Bible and let's consider what the expectation might be of us who are Christians in a culture where there has been a reject a rejection of truth, a mm. rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So so what might this culture be seeking from us, even though they don't know it, even though they don't immediately recognize it? Well, they are seeking truth. They are seeking a declaration of truth and they are seeking the demonstration of the truth we declare as lived out in our lives. Yeah. Okay. So it's not yeah. only what we are saying, but it is also how we are living. So That's they are right. seeking a declaration of truth and then they want the demonstration of that truth lived out in a transformed life. Point blank. Th that's, that's what people are seeking, right? This, this is why you have um, the New Testament not only telling us that Jesus Christ is the way to God, but also showing us how to live now that we believe that. Mm. So declaring the truth and then showing you how to demonstrate that that truth is real yeah. in a life that is transformed. OK, right. It seems it seems overly simple or overly simplistic. I do understand that. But guys, I mean, you got little kids who get saved. Right. So it, they've got to be able to process it. They've got to be able to believe it and they've mm. got to be able to live it out. So mm. Uh, mm. simplicity is all is our friend. Amen. Right. Sometimes sometimes we're looking for the complicated things because we just need to feel deep. Um, but here we go. So let's look at Matthew chapter 12. And I was just just thinking about this and want to have a conversation around it. So Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 42. Remember, this is in context of the question. Why? Why are these things happening? There are many reasons. Um, that we can give even going into some of the details about men waxing worse and worse and perilous times coming. And we've done that on this program, but I want to continue just kind of, I guess, run a highlighter over this right in the margins of the question. Why um, on top of all the other things that we've looked at biblically. So here is Matthew and uh, um, here is Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. All right. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you, but he answered them. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. That's important. All of it's important, but I'm going to focus on that, kind of go back to that in a second. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Verse 42, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Mm. Oh, man. Okay. So what is our Lord saying? What has transpired and how is this instructive for us today in navigating what is happening in the earth? So the Pharisees and the scribes, they have witnessed on more than one occasion, Jesus Christ performing miracles. So he is declaring the truth and that truth is accompanied by miraculous evidence that he is who he says he is, mm -hmm. that Jesus is God, right? So the scribes and the Pharisees are seeking a sign. 
Jesus is preaching against them. He's preaching the truth, right? And he's demonstrating his authority to do so, to preach against them, to preach the truth. He's demonstrating his authority with signs and wonders. So, but then what happens with this sign of Jonah? Like what, what is this? So of course there was the reference to the Lord Jesus Christ being crucified and then rising again on the third day. I think that's probably like the people like, yeah, I can see that one. Okay, right. We got that one, right? But there is something else that we would do well to recognize that happens in Jonah. So in Jonah chapter three, we already know the story of Jonah refusing to obey God. And then he's swallowed up and he's in the belly of this fish for three days. Then he repents. He prays. He acknowledges that God is God and he's not. And then the the fish uh, vomits him out, not back into the water, onto dry land. All of these details are so important. They testify to the sovereignty of God, right? Mm -hmm. The supreme oversight of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Here you have Jonah, who the word of the Lord appears to Jonah a second time. Okay, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And then here's the instruction, call out against it the message that I tell you. The Bible says, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breath. Verse four, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Okay. (laughs) Verse five. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Mm. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published throughout Nineveh. Here it is. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Focus on this next part here in the decree. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Hmm. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Okay. So I'm building my case, right? So then the queen of Sheba. So what happens with the queen of Sheba? So you've got this queen who travels to see Solomon and this queen of Sheba who travels to see Solomon has come to Solomon with what the Bible describes as hard questions or perplexing questions, enigmatic questions is how the Hebrew word is actually translated. Like these, these are questions that are deeply difficult to understand and Mm -hmm. to process. And this queen has traveled to Solomon because she has heard of his renown, but that's something interesting that is actually written in scripture as she's, she's got these questions that she's traveling with. (laughs) It's not just Solomon's renown. So look, in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1 says, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, Mm. (laughs) she traveled, okay? She came to test him, to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, which means that she came with wealth mounted up. she, She came because she had heard of this Solomon, right? That this man had all of this wisdom and knowledge and and all of this ability because of the Lord, because of Yahweh. Mm. So she actually came postured to believe. Okay, she she came with all of the stuff that she was going to give because 
his renown had reached her. Okay. So she comes with all of this great retinue, um, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. Okay, so just get a picture of this. I'm animated. This is how we do it with our kids, right? So just get a picture of this. So here comes this queen. She's got the whole like entourage, right? And she's got all of this wealth that has come with her, okay? And she's got these deep, perplexing questions, these enigmatic questions. Um, I don't speak Hebrew, but the Hebrew word there for the hard questions that she comes with is chida. I can't do the ch, but it's chida, Okay. <laughs> And so this means deep, perplexing questions like riddles, like mysteries that Mm -hmm. she's come with. They're hard things that she is desperate to understand, but she's heard of this king who has all of this wisdom because of Yahweh. Mm. So she comes and she's ready to hear, right? So she lays out all of her difficult questions. Guys, just think about where we are and some of the questions, the, the hard questions. They're seemingly difficult questions. But remember, Jesus Christ has said that the sign has already been given. Like, so there's no, there's no, there's no more need. And, and he refers to not only Jonah, the sign of Jonah, which was the proclamation of truth. So, so not only the sign of Jonah, it's not just Jonah in the belly of the fish, but it's also the declaration of truth that the Lord judges sin. That's You're right. going to perish. Your city is going to be destroyed in yet 40 days. It's going to happen, right? Not only that, not only that, but he refers to this queen of Sheba. So in verse three, and Solomon answered all of her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. In other words, there was nothing that God held back from him to answer all of her deep questions. God revealed to him the answers to all of her deep questions is what the Bible is saying. Verse four. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt (laughs) offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord. The Bible says there was no more breath in her. (laughs) It took her breath away. In other words, there was no more breath in her. And this is what she said is in verse six. Now listen, and all of this is so important. So in verse six, and she said to the King, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Verse eight, happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. And verse nine, blessed be the Lord, your God, who has delighted in you And set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. And then she gives him all of this like gold and all of all of this stuff that she traveled with. So there was some belief in her. She she gives him all of this stuff. Right. That she happens to have with her. So here's the point that I'm making. What happens when Jonah tells the truth? to a wicked and violent people, they repent. They actually engage in, if you, if you spot it, when you read Jonah, they engage in confession. They say, let us turn from our violence there. So in other words, the charge that Jonah brings is not lost on them. They don't dare for a second, try to pretend like they're good people. They're like, man, yeah, we're bad. So let's, let's, let's all let's fast. Let's repent. 
um, and and let's turn from the violence in mm-hmm. our midst, right? Mm-hmm. And then what happens when the queen of Sheba comes to Solomon, right? So she came to test the Bible says, so there's another uh, Hebrew word that is important there to understand um, when it says that she came to test him, to ask him these tough questions. It's actually to prove the renown of Yahweh, like to prove she, she came to test whether or not the renown of this King, which he only has because of Yahweh. She came to prove whether or not that was true. Right. So she came with these deep, difficult questions, these pressing questions that are hard to answer. Right. And the Lord did not hold back from Solomon in giving her or giving him the answers to her questions. So what am I saying? The question is, why is this happening? Why is this happening? When people are asking the difficult questions, We are often looking for what we think is most insightful. But here is what I want to tell you. Discussions on gun debates and mental health and and schools and, and all of these things. Yes, you can have those, but that's not the profundity of what we possess as Christians. That's not the profound answers that are going to like take people's breaths away. What is the profundity of the truth that we possess? That there is a God in heaven and that when we see these things happening, without a doubt, we can say this is evil. You see, this is why Christ died to set us free from this law of sin. Amen. Do you understand? This then becomes the sign where we tell the truth. Okay. We become sort of like a Jonah of sorts where we tell the truth. Okay. That God judges sin. This is what it looks like when man rejects God. Mm -hmm. This is what rebellion and wickedness and sin looks like. This is the spiral of dissipation. This is what it looks like to live in in, in like a culture that in some pockets, in some ways is like raw sewage. Like this is what it looks like. Right. But that's that's like that's the bad news. So we we make it our aim to discuss sin and evil, rebellion and judgment. But we also discuss forgiveness Mm. and reconciliation and justification. These are the signs. These things become the signs, right? In a Jonah type generation, in a time of the Kings where you've got a queen who's got all these questions that she's heard that there's a King upon whom really the favor of the Lord Yahweh rests. And there's nothing that you can ask him that's going to stump him, right? So these things are signs to a generation who are looking for truth. They are looking for evidence that Jesus is real. And yet we hold these signs back. So we don't Mm. tell the truth. And then we don't display, we don't live for the glory of God so that people who would approach us with these deep questions, these enigmatic questions, like they're like, how is this happening? Why is this happening? We grab for, well, because, you know, we need this and we've got screening and we need, no. So what we need to do is in all of the profundity of the gospel we Mm -hmm. need to rest on that we need to say this is a display of evil take people's breath away with that truth Mm. this is a display of evil this is why Christ died this is why he rose again that he might put all of these works to death that this would be done away with and for those of us who believe we will be reconciled to him We will reign with him forever. These are the signs that we obscure 
when we grab cultural talking points. Aaron the Addisons, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Jonathan Baker with Giving the Gospel. Uh, Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We'll get some of your calls queued up. I'd like to get your take on what we're discussing this morning. 888, or this afternoon. It's not morning. <laughs> 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Will the Gray, I, was just, I want to mm-hmm. uh, just go back to Matthew chapter 12, verses 41 and 42. Again, just to kind of solidify and just to drive home the point when we live in a wicked culture that they are asking questions, they are trying Mm. to figure out what is going on and what becomes our sign and our evidence that Jesus Christ is real. Mm. Well, man, we've got to rush in with truth. We've got to rush in with truth and we've got to live that transformed life that we say Jesus is capable of of securing for us. Right. In in order to do that, we can't be manipulated like everybody else by, you know, the talking points that are, are given when these situations arise, it's so easy to get into those debates, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and instead of what you're talking about, like pointing to the, the true solution, the true answer, which is in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. That's you know? exactly and, right. And so but we get we, we do get caught up in the, the, the gun debate in the mental health uh, debate and all this kind of stuff as believers. And then we don't do a good job of giving what is going to really help. The situation and that's the change of the hearts of man that's, that's right. the only thing that's going to change any of this that's you right. know uh, that's and right. so we have to be discerning when these issues pop up not to be manipulated by the media or by any other entity giving these talking points mm-hmm. but going right back to the strip scripture and saying hey what is it that is the answer and that's it's always going to be jesus it's always going to be jesus always going to be jesus matthew again matthew chapter 12 Verses 41 and 42, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for they repented Mm. at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Verse Mm. 42, the queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold something greater than Solomon is here. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the truth. Mm -hmm. So when you have all of these questions and all of these demands that people are making, like, well, why is this happening? And and we have the truth. Now I think the problem in so many instances now, look, we have not said what Jonah said. Okay. So we have not said, um, no, I'm not going to Nineveh, but we certainly have lived it. Mm. We, we've not said that. We've not said we've not had the audacity to say, well, I'm not going to tell the truth. We just don't do it right. We just don't tell. We don't we just don't pronounce the woes against people who are perishing as we should, because maybe people mm. think that that's just kind of weird or that's like, ah, that's kind of old time. You just tell people about sin and and that the fact that, you know, if they continue on without receiving the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, that uh, eternal destruction awaits them. We like, I don't want to talk about that because I'm smart now. Mm. Right. 
But come on, man. I mean, we have the answers that people are seeking. I mean, the Queen of Sheba traveled to Solomon to get the answers to her perplexing questions, her difficult questions, her tough questions, where she's going to ask these questions and she's going to prove whether or not what has been said about Solomon because of the Lord, Mm -hmm. whether or not that can really be true. Can that really be true? And so, man, you know, I, I just imagine we'll go to the phone lines here in just a second. I just imagine you know, this, this, this is God's moment. This is not Solomon's moment. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Like this is, yeah, this is, this yeah, is God's yeah. moment because this woman, this woman has traveled mm-hmm. because she's heard of the renown of Solomon because of the Lord. Right. <laughs> so this is not Solomon's moment. Come like, on. ah, well, let me, let me just get, make sure that I have all of my parsnips <laughs> in order. Like, no, this is God's moment. Yeah. So God is going to give the answers to these questions. And mm. so what do we know? We know that Jesus Christ has come. So he has provided for us the ultimate answer to the questions that man asks. Yes. And people say, well, can it be that simple? I mean, come on. Why not? It's a thing of if we will only give it like it is that simple. Right. And I think the the onus is upon us as Christians, as believers to speak the truth and to give it, you know, and I, I think that's where the complications lie. We don't actively revert to that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's not our default. Our right. default is to join in with the narratives, you know, and join in with what's being said here and there instead of, hey, no, this is what's going on, people. And this is a sin problem. There's a heart problem. And mm-hmm. only Jesus can can fix it. And I wonder I wonder if, in part, the reason we hesitate is because we're not we're not all in. Maybe we don't really 100 percent believe Maybe. That these declarations and these displays will do what the Bible says they will do. I think there can also be some um, hesitation because of some of fear. Like, yeah. who want to hear about Jesus saving? You know, after somebody uh, shoots up a place, they, mm. the 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 easy conversation is to go the gun debate route and the mm. other. You know, mm-hmm. but to bring in Jesus, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a hesitancy. Like, uh, you know, we know the answer. We know what's up. But then it's like, but that's not pop, that's not what's, you know. Yeah, because people feel like the discussion of Christ is is an expendable discussion. And, and people they, are they saying like they don't want they your do. prayers and, and thoughts anymore. Yeah, I've seen they've that. Already, yeah. They're already saying that. Yeah. So you're going to come yeah. in with a Jesus conversation? It's like, that's uh, We got to still do it. We, st- we got to still, still do, do it. it. You're right. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to Scott in Louisiana. Hi, Scott. Hey, Will and Mickey. Hello. Hello. You stole my thunder a little bit ago when you got back from the break. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you you pick Jesus up. Christ. You jump right in. <laughs> Amen. Uh, well, you know, this whole conversation is tough, and, and you've hit everything. I mean, I agree 100%. Uh, the conversation, I, I'm going through Romans, right? And so you get, mm-hmm. after the introduction, Paul goes straight into the fact that everybody knows that God exists because he's, he's evidence in nature, mm. but they reject the knowledge of God, and we love to sit in the classroom and talk about, oh, yeah, you see, that's why this is happening. There's this whole digression that takes place with the individual who refuses to acknowledge that God exists, and and Mm. you can see the digression in the following verses where he turns them over and turns them over, and, Mm. and, and but what comes out is, what about the knowledge that I come as a Christian, as a believer? Mm-hmm. What about the knowledge that I come to face to face with in the scriptures? Mm-hmm. And if I walk away and then t- 
turn away from that knowledge and don't apply it in my life and basically reject it as, well, that's uncomfortable. It's not something I want to do. And mm. I just don't know. Like say, talking about the doubt of the power of God in his word. So then that kind of puts that same, not digression. I'm not going to lose my salvation, but it's going to break my fellowship. It's going to hinder my walk. It's not going to allow me to be effective. And so I think part of the problem we have is not just those reject Christ in society. Mm -hmm. It's those who embrace Christ, like you just said, maybe we're not all in. Mm. And I can just thank God that that he has made me and clearly demonstrated and Mm. shown me the difference. Every disciple is a Christian, but not all Christians are disciples. And Mm -hmm. the church industry... uh, or organization, however you want to look at those places where people meet, have gutted discipleship Mm. and traded it for a, we want to be popular, we want people to come, we want them to embrace this, God loves everybody attitude. And and so we have removed that uh, backbone of Christianity. And I'm not saying we go out and start putting targets on people's back and cutting them down and criticizing them. But how many times, I know I've heard this said to me, it's like, well, but is, is that for you to say? Like, no, it's not. But God already made it clear about this subject. And so someone needs to speak up. That's so what right. we're lacking <laughs> in America is a backbone of, of people, hmm. quote unquote, Christians, who will stand for the word and stand on the word and, and admit that, you know what, I was bought at a price. So who am I to say, hmm. well, that's uncomfortable while I'm trying to pay homage and praise the one who was crucified so that I could say, well, I'm uncomfortable sharing the gospel. But yeah, I also one other comment that, yes, it's easy to get wrapped into the conversation and sidetracked about, well, we need to harden our schools or we need to do this. Mm-hmm. No, we need to share the gospel. Amen. Yes, I can influence a conversation with logic, mm-hmm. but until that heart's changed by God, mm-hmm. if God chooses there's no real change. Man, Scott, you have hit, mm. brother, you have hit on so much. I, I, I want to make sure that I squeeze some more calls in here, but I let me just comment. I, I'll pick one thing. I'll pick one thing that you said. So the, the thing that grabbed me and I started jotting down some notes was, uh, I guess, the first portion of your comments as you were talking about the the difference in the Christians, that we, we've got some some Christians who... They they acknowledge Jesus Christ. Right. But they are not they are not following closely after the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you were saying that, I was reminded of the account in Ruth. Right. Where you've got this account where Naomi is like, look, there's no hope for you girls. Right. She says this to her daughters in law. There's no hope for you girls. And the Bible very clearly points out that Orpah kissed her mother in law, but Ruth clung to her. So the Bible makes a distinction. So there is an affection that Orpah has for Naomi. There's an affection that Ruth has for Naomi. But Ruth has the I'm unwilling to turn away. I'm unwilling to let you go type of affection. And Orpah has the, well, I can be convinced that maybe I can follow at a distance or maybe I, maybe it is. OK, this is a losing proposition for me. I'm going to I'm going to turn back. It's interesting to me that the clung there is a marital intimacy term that is used. Mm. So in other words, Ruth knit herself to her mother-in-law. And that's where you get that declaration that's often recited in in marriages where you go, I'll go and, and, you know, your God will be my God and and where you die, I'll be buried there, you know. And and why? Because of this love that actually kind of refers or calls to mind a marital type connection. Now, let that stop at just the depth of the love there, obviously, 
Okay, right. just for my liberals who are listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Will the Great, where do we go? Uh, 888-589-8840, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Pam in Texas. Hi, Pam. Hi, how are you? Great. Hello. Listen, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for, um, I just tuned in about five minutes ago, but for a couple of things you said, two things to be back. One is that when people ask what in the world is going on, it's evil. You're mm-hmm. watching, you're seeing evil. And then the second thing that you said was um, to tell them, uh, which I love this, um, you, you're, what you're seeing is the rejection of God. Mm. There's so much truth wrapped up in that one little statement. And I've, I've had so many people ask me, what, what's going on? How do you explain this? And it, I found it to be difficult to explain. And I agree with what y'all said about it. it's hard to bring up Jesus at that time. That's not what they want to hear, even though that's what they need to hear. But the way you put it, it's not preaching. It's not a sermon. It's the truth. It's the truth. All wrapped up into one statement. And I just want to thank you for that. I'll be using that, by the way, from now on. I'm copying you. You go right on ahead. It's yours, Pam. It's yours, Pam. All right. It is just the truth. What we are witnessing is the rejection of God. And just as you identify with that and you you recognize that as soon as you hear it, I think so many of us in the body of Christ, like when we hear that, the spirit who indwells us reminds us and convicts us and says, yeah, that that's what we're we're witnessing that it's the rejection of God. Pam, thank you so much for calling. I appreciate it. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Tammy in Georgia. Hi, Tammy. Hi, how are you doing today? Doing great. Hello. I just want to say I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy your radio broadcast, so keep up uh, what you're doing. I just wanted to comment on the fact that you said when Queen Sheba went to um, Solomon, it it was because of what she heard, but it was what she saw that convinced her and I just want to say for the church body, the church at large, I don't think we have a shortage of preaching. I think we have a shortage of practical living, mm. living the life that we preach about. Yeah. I mean, there's Oof. just about a church on every corner. You have Come it on, on the TV. It says when she went, she heard, and then when she went and she saw, he didn't have to say mm. a word. There's an old song they used to say, May the life that I sing about. Well, how does it go? I I want to live the life I sing about in my songs. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's it. And Mm. so I just say for the church at large, enough of the preaching. We have that. I mean, I think we know what the word says, but when, when for God's sake, are we going to put it into practice and live it every day and all day? Tammy, listen, look, I, you know, let me just tell y'all what happens. All right. So we, we start off with Scott, then we move to Pam, and then we're, we're here with Tammy. And, and so what happens in my heart, I'm just going to give you guys a sneak peek. This is what runs through my heart and in and, and my mind, okay? Man, I love these people. <laughs> I love them. I'm, I'm so happy to be in the family of God. Like, do you guys understand that we are going to spend eternity together making much of the one who redeemed us? And so it's so it's so comforting and it's so encouraging that when we talk amongst ourselves, okay, forget about those who have rejected God and they want to invite us into their conversations, but they want to control the conversation. No, it's comforting and it's an encouragement when we as the body of Christ are able to discern what is happening in a culture and apply the word of God to that happening. Yeah. We are able to say, this is what this is. 
I can put my finger on exactly what this is. Why? Because the Lord God has revealed it to us in his word, in his eternal word. Okay, we're out of time. I'm so encouraged. I look, Listen, guys, let's keep telling the truth. And as our sister Tammy just pointed out here, let's live the truth. Amen. Let's keep living the truth that we talk about. All right. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.